Psalm 5, please. Open your Bibles to Psalm 5. And our brother Mark Emerson also will be getting up very early in the morning, picking up the LZs at the airport at 5.30 in the morning. And so I appreciate him being willing to do that. He's kind of taken that as his ministry. He has picked up a lot of missionaries and taken good care of them and brought them here over the years. And I, when he retired, he said, Brother Roger, he said, I'm going to give myself to the Lord. I'm going to give myself to you. He said, you tell me what I can do to be a blessing. How can I serve you? And man, he has been kept his word. And I thank the Lord for him and his dear wife. They are blessed. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I agree with you, brother. You can't outgive God when you serve Him. He'll bless you back so many different ways. Psalm 5. I told you we were going to study through the book of Psalms. I hadn't seen you since. Amen. <laughs> I've been out for three weeks in a row. Now, we're not going to go Psalm by Psalm by Psalm because it's a hundred and something, 150 something Psalms, and we don't have that many Wednesday nights. So we're going to, as the Lord leads me, I'm going to go through the book, but we're going to use Psalm 5 tonight, and we're going to study it together. I believe it'll be a help and a blessing to you. Let's read it together, and then let's study it. I'm going to give you a few principles here that I think are personal to you, will help you in your Christian walk with the Lord. Look what David says here. This is, this is reported to have been during the days and when Absalom was chasing him. I don't know that, and I don't even know how they get all that information, you know, to put in our history notes about that. I just trust the Word of God, Amen. you know. But in verse number, in Psalm 5 and verse 1, David says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple." Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions. For they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous. With favor wilt thou compass him as with a shield. I want you to look in verses 1 through 3. What we want to notice out of these three verses is David's confidence in Prayer, David's confidence in prayer. But I want you to notice what he says in verse number 1 when he says, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. When you, you know that I believe in prayer. I have preached on it many times. I've emphasized it many times that you need to have in the morning 
what I call me time with God. But I want you to notice what David is saying there when he goes before the Lord. He says, I want you to consider my meditation. In other words, you don't just bow your knee and all of a sudden start making requests and start asking immediately. You you should have warmed yourself up a little bit before you start asking God for some things. In other words, you should have been meditating on some things and you should your meditation should be pleasing to the Lord. What you're, You know what I mean by meditating? What you're thinking. In, in other words, you need, to, you need to have, I think it's in Psalm 19. He said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation, the meditations of my heart. That's right. Be holy and acceptable in thy sight. So your thought life, is important before you go before God in prayer. What you've been thinking about. It's important that your mind be biblical and thankful and spiritual before you enter into God and begin to talk to Him about your prayer request. Because you're going to Him because you need something, obviously. Okay? So, what have you been thinking about? Before you start talking to God, I want to know what you've been thinking about. You think God knows what's on your mind? You think He knows what's in your thoughts? You know what that tells me? You can't just go through, go to God and just go through a ritual of repeating phrases to God. He wants your mind and He wants your heart in this thing. He wants you engaged in it. I don't, I don't, I don't like to talk to somebody when their mind is somewhere else. And... Uh, and I don't want to just talk to somebody while my thoughts are going in another direction. Right. I mean, you can do that. And so here's what he said in verse 1. He said, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. So obviously he's got a little bit of confidence in what he's been thinking on. That God's going to be pleased with it. He said, Lord, would you, would you consider what I've been thinking about? Would you look down upon my heart and say, Lord, you know I think you're a great God. You notice, notice what he says about him in verse 2. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my what? My king and my God. And up in verse 1 he said, O Lord. So he calls him Lord, he calls him king, and he calls him God. So what's he been thinking about? He's been thinking about how high and holy and great God is before he goes and makes his voice known to the Lord. So he says this. Now, you know, you notice he must be in a straight, though, because he says in verse 1, he says, give ear. Then he says in verse number 2, hearken unto my voice. He's really needing God to hear him. He really is earnest in this. And verse 2 says, for unto thee will I pray. Now, notice something else about this that I think is important. Of course, we see the direction of his prayers there toward God. I don't want my prayers to go just toward the wall. I want my prayers to make it. The Bible says in verse number 3, He said, My voice shalt thou hear when? Now, He says this twice. He said, In the morning, in the morning, 
will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. He said, well, Brother Roger, I thought you were supposed to have your head bowed and your eyes closed when you were praying. Well, you know, some of that stuff is just whatever you feel comfortable with at the time, but I wouldn't suggest that that's the only time that and how you pray, especially if you're going down the highway. <laughs> I think that you need to learn to pray in different postures because it's not your posture. It is your heart. It is what's in your heart and in your mind. Man, I have been just effective in praying, going down the road, pouring my heart out to God while I'm driving down the road as I have in my office on my knees. Right. It's not the posture. It's as much as the position of the heart, not the position of the body. Right. But there will be times, Brother Zach, when you really just need to lay down on the floor and just say, oh God. I mean, there are times when your heart's so broken. But there have been times, I remember one time I was going through a, a really a heartbreaking situation. This has been probably over 15, 20 years ago. I was by myself walking around out there in the gym. Just walking around, groaning and just crying out to God to have mercy and to do some things in my in my life, in my family. And I mean, I couldn't even hardly get the words out. My heart was so broken. So it's not about the posture. It is about the heart. Amen. It is about pouring it out to God. And so he says this. But, but here's, here's the thing about it. What have I told you about manna? What does manna teach us? What does it teach you? When you read manna in the Old Testament, what does it teach you? That God supplies? All right, that's a good point. What else? Grace. All right, what else? <laughs> if you don't get up and get it early, you ain't going to get it. Because God will let it melt. God said, I ain't waiting on you all day. And so you could have went out there at noon and said, Oh, Lord, please, I'm hungry. And the Lord said, I had it for you waiting right here. And you didn't show up. He said, But, but here's the thing about the faithfulness of God. But I'll be here tomorrow. I'm faithful. I'll see you in the morning. So if you really want to see me, I'll see you in the morning. I think if I missed it the day before, I'd be ready to get up the next morning to get it. Yeah. There's been some days that I've gotten so busy that I did not take care of business before I hit the day. And the day didn't go well. My heart and mind didn't go well. And it reminded me, I better start off right. If, I, if the day's going to go right, it's got to start off right. Yeah, and you're going to have to give God a little bit of your time. And as we have discussed with a few people over the years, some people are not morning people. Anybody in here like that? There's Brother Mark. Now, Brother Mark, I knew that. I know that about Brother Mark. He's not a morning person. I've got a pastor friend at pastor school up in Ohio. He said, I have a confession to make. Brother Roger he said, I, you always talk about getting up early and studying them. That's what we're supposed to do as preachers. But he said, it don't work for me. I can't. I can't. I, it don't work. i got foggy brain. He said, at midnight, I'm my best. He said, that's when I can pray and meditate and get a hold of God. Is it midnight? Wow. So I'm just saying it ain't a strict rule. It's not in the Ten Commandments. But for most of us, David said in the morning, what he's meaning is he's given God the first part of the day so before the day starts and he gets into the, into the business of the day that the business hadn't taken care of him, got on top of him. Okay? So if, if you're going to study and pray at midnight, maybe you're go, you should pray for the next day coming. 
Amen? You, maybe you should pray for the next day coming. All right, so when David said in the morning, you know, that is 1201. Yeah. Right? right? He didn't say how early. But, but he's looking unto the Lord. And so I hope that you'll do that and spend some time with the Lord when you get up. And I tell you, it'll be like this for if you don't. Either you can, in, in the morning, you can say, <laughs> you can say, good morning, Lord. Or you can say, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> now, which one is it going to be? <laughs> okay, all right, look in verse number four. Okay, now this is David's confidence not only in prayer, but in the purity of God. Now, I think we can look at this and think about what's going over now with in Israel with what what's going on with, with God's enemies over there. But verse 4, you'll notice he says, he gives us some insight and, and attaches emotions to God. He said, For thou art not a God that hath, notice the word, pleasure in wickedness. So if there's no pleasure in God about wickedness, it means there is displeasure. And he says down in verse number 5, that he actually hates all workers of iniquity. Did you know the Bible speaks of perfect hatred? Yeah. David said, I hate them with a perfect hatred. Right. That's what he said. Okay. And uh, and then he says in verse number 6, Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. Anybody know what that word means? What does it mean? Lying. Lying. So when you think about leasing, you think about getting a car, don't you? And they're lying. When they tell you it's the best deal, they're lying. They named it right. But it means lying. It means falsehoods, and God hates that. He'll destroy a liar. But you'll notice it also says, the Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. So there's insight here about God's emotions, and he mentions the wicked, the evil, the foolish, the workers of iniquity, the liars, the bloody and deceitful man. The Bible says in verse 9, this ought to remind you also of what, what Paul wrote in Romans 3 about the wickedness of man. He uses this. There's no faithfulness in their mouth. If you remember, I preached about the human tongue and about the anatomy of sin and about how that the mouth, how that our, our mouths are like open sepulchers. And he says here in verse 9, there is no faithfulness in their mouth. I love people who mean what they say. And say what they mean. I love people who are faithful in what they say. And keep their word. Don't you brother Zach? I want friends in my life who keep their word. Amen. And even if they can't keep their word. If they made a promise and it was too big for them to keep. They're honest enough to man up and say I'm sorry. I can't do this. I meant to but I can't. I want them to at least be honest about it. Right, right. Amen. There is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness and their throat's an open sepulcher. Do you understand what a sepulcher is? Everybody here? Peter, what's the sepulcher? What did you say? Grave? Yes, sir. That's right. And they flatter with their tongues. So he's, he's given us the insight here about the purity of God. And you should keep that in mind when you're approaching God in prayer at the beginning of this psalm of who you're talking to. And that's why you should humble yourself and approach Him with, uh, what can I say, as best you can, with a pure heart. 
Because he sees you. He knows what's inside of you. You don't have to be perfect, Sister Abby. You don't have to be perfect, but you do need to be honest. God knows what we are. He knows how we are. But he's looking for some honesty. And, 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 and so the Lord, you've got to be careful when you approach him and who you're approaching. David lets us know that God, he had great confidence that God hates evil. And um, he encourages us to understand that. Now notice something else in verse 8 through 12. David had confidence in the power of God, number one, to protect the godly, and number two, to punish the ungodly. Now, it doesn't happen very fast in this world. You're going to see the evil get off for a while. What Hamas has done is absolutely horrific. I mean, they're even cutting off babies' heads. Now, these people are just vile. They don't have the same mentality that we do. They, they, they believe that they would rather, they love death as much as we love life. Yeah. And they, they will kill your kids and then run home and hide behind their kids. And then try to make you feel bad for killing their kids while they hide behind them. This, these are the kind of people that David is dealing with. Yeah. As a matter of fact, some of the very same ones. Same kind and group of people. And so, if you'll notice in verse 8 through 12, David did have some confidence in the power of God to protect the godly and to punish the evil. He said in verse 8, he said, Lead me. Boy, I, that's one of his prayers. When he gets up in the morning, you should ask God to lead you yes. and to guide you. Your footsteps. You, know, you don't know what a day brings forth. That's right. You have no clue. And if somebody were to, if you run up on a situation where you've got to deal with somebody else, you really need some wisdom and you need God to lead you and guide you. Amen. He said, lead, me, lead, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. He's asking God to help him to be sure to know what to do. And verse 11, he said, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. He was confident that God would defend the righteous, and let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Verse 12, he said, For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. He was confident in that. And with favor wilt thou compass him with a shield, which means God will protect him. But David was confident about God polarizing the ungodly. He was confident of that. And that's why he said in verse 8, Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Let me ask you a question. If you're, praying, if you're a praying person and you're talking to God every day and you're asking God to lead you and you're asking God to guide you, why would you have any enemies? Why would you have enemies? Who would those enemies actually be? The, the enemies of who? It would be enemies of God, right? Be, it would be the evil, the ungodly. And the reason why they're your enemies is because they're God's enemies. Right. If you're trying to do what's right, you, you're, you're going the opposite direction. And you're going to have some enemies because the word love, the, the world chooses Bible words but they don't choose Bible dictionaries. Right. And the word love today means to be tolerant. It means to allow anybody 
to do anything and you don't judge them or you don't criticize them or you don't resist them. Okay, that's truly. I mean, all the singers promote this among young people. Taylor Swift is one of the, she's a little god in America. She can fill up a football stadium. And she promotes this. She is a very, whether you like her or don't like her, it doesn't matter. She is powerful and she has great influence in America. And when she talks about love, it means tolerating the transgenderism, it means accepting all the evil lifestyles that go with that. That's under the term of love. And if you oppose that, then you are evil and they are good. But that's not what the word love means. If, I, if the biblical word for love, it means that I, I love you more than I love myself. And it means that I want what is in your best interest. And it means that I will not tolerate evil. And I will not bless evil. And I will not pretend that evil will not hurt you. I will not bring you underneath the judgment of God. That would be like a man being a physician, but he refuses to call any kind of disease evil. Or give you any way to be cured from it. What kind of physician is that? I don't want a doctor like that. I want a doctor that will be honest with me and tell me the truth because he loves me and cares about me. Now, but let's, let's bring it home here. Let's talk about how does this fit today in the New Testament age and New Testament church? Because David would pray in the psalmist. Back in those days, man, the war for Israel was hand-to-hand combat. It was flesh. Ours is not. Right. We, war, we, we do not war against flesh and blood. Right. They did. We don't. We have to war against something we can't see. We have, we have an invisible enemy. We have a spiritual enemy that takes on human form. We can't just take somebody and bop them in the nose. and We can't do that. We'd like to. One of the requirements of a pastor is he can't be a striker. Did you know that? Even though he would like once in a while to give somebody an attitude adjustment, but he can't do it. He can't even be soon to be given to anger. The Bible says. So let's look over the New Testament real quick. We'll close with these thoughts. All right, we got just a few more minutes. Turn with me uh, to Titus. I'm gonna tell you how soft. Listen, when I mention a guy's name, it doesn't mean that I agree with anything or most of what he believes. When I say talking about somebody out in the world, but there's a guy, a Jew out there named Ben Shapiro. This guy is sharp. And you don't want to debate him on any subject that he covers. But he is a Jew, and he is exposing Hamas for what they really are and, and the evil that they are. And he shows them for the wickedness that they are. I wish that he was a saved man. I do. But he's a God-fearing Jew. You know, when you say that, is that possible? Yeah, they do believe in Jehovah. They do not accept the Lord Jesus Christ as the Messiah, and I wish that he would. But my my point being is that he understands the weakness of the American mind and the Western world and how that we are warped in our way of thinking and and how that we we don't have the stomach to deal with evil anymore. And the news is going to make sure that the narrative they put on it will be acceptable 
uh, to uh, the world and, and to Americans. But this is, this is a, the enemy that the, uh, the Jews are dealing with over there. Brother, you were in the military. You understand. They're, those guys, there is no mercy with those. They're ruthless. I'm talking about the Hamas. and the, They're ruthless. They're having to deal with them. We don't have to deal with them. They are, but we don't. But that same mindset falls into the church when just our feelings get hurt when you deal with people in a, con- in a church that may not be trying to do what's right or trying to hurt the church. And if, you, and if you just say no to somebody, they get their feelings hurt and cause all kind of trouble. As if you're not supposed to say no ever or rebuke anybody ever or speak sharply to them ever. There's something warped about this. Okay? So David knew this. And, and, under, and, and, and I, in our prayers, you need to understand that we do have to take a stand against evil. Now, let me give you some examples of this. Can you take this? Look in chapter 1 of Titus and look in verse number 9. Okay? Now, watch this. Verse 9. Again, we're looking at the good Word of God to a New Testament church written to a young pastor. And he says in verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. Now look at verse 11. Whose mouths must be stopped. Who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. Look at verse 13. This witness is true. Wherefore, what's the next word? Rebuke them how? Hmm. So is it okay and biblical and right and scriptural and spiritual and loving for a pastor to speak to someone once in a while, not all the time, only exceptions, but to speak sharply to someone who is hurting the flock and would you back him? And would you stand with him? Because somebody got their feelings hurt because the preacher had to get on to them. I'm talking about an adult. I'm not talking about a kid. I'm talking about an adult. Would you stand with him in that? And here he says, wherefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. That should be only on an occasion. Did your, did your parents ever speak sharply to you growing up? Well, they didn't speak to you that way all day, every day, did they? I hope they didn't. Oh, he's looking at his mama. Yeah, yeah, she did. <laughs> Oh man, my dad didn't like, didn't do that. But I'll tell you what, when he did, man, I, it got my attention. It got my attention so bad that when he just looked at me, I straightened up. All he had to do was look that sharp look. And don't tell me you can't give a sharp look. I know you can. Now, here is one one. Uh, let's look at a few more. Look over in Titus chapter three. What about, this is a tough one here, and it's a heartache. It's a heartache. There are some who have to be rebuked, and they have to be rebuked sharply, because when you are nice to an evil person or to a person who's self-willed, they don't 
They, they just keep pushing. They just keep pushing. You, aren't you glad you don't have to deal with folks like that in a church setting? But you ought to thank God if your pastor has enough courage to deal with them for your sake. Right, right. So that you don't have to. But then don't run out on him when he has to do it because he's going to feel bad about it having right. to deal with it. That's right. All right, look in chapter 3. Are y'all listening? Yes, sir. Okay, all right. Don't, y'all at home listening, I hope you understand that. Okay, look in chapter number 3, then look in verse number 9. He says this, but avoid foolish questions. Okay, so then a pastor doesn't have to answer everybody's questions then, does he? Some questions are foolish questions. You know why? Because they want to argue. They're not interested in the answer. They're not, they're not interested in what I have to tell them or what you have to tell them. They only ask the question so they can tell you what they want to say. I will stay and talk to you all day if you ask me a sincere question because you want to learn. But if you just want to talk and debate, I ain't got the time of day. I really don't. And the Bible says, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law. They're unprofitable. Look at verse 10. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition. What's that word? Next word. Reject. Well, now you've got... You, first you had an individual that you had to, re, to just rebuke sharply. Now you've got an individual who won't receive that. Now you've got to reject him. How well is that going to go over in the average Baptist church today? Seriously. It's our mindset. It's the way we have been fashioned and trained and developed to think about the way this is. That We're sissies today compared to what they had to deal with over the years to keep a pure Bible and church. All right? And the Bible says here, he says, a man that's an heretic after the first and second admonition reject. Now, he's been given two chances. He's been dealt with firmly twice and the Lord said that's it no more knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself so he has created his own problems not the church okay and when people talk about church hurt church hurt can be real and it can last for a while but sometimes you need to find out why because sometimes these folks have created their own situations. And then they want to go to another church to, to have somebody, you know, lick their wounds for them. And, but they're only going to cause more trouble there when they get their feet on the ground right. and get some friends and some buddies. Yep. And I'm just telling you. Right. I'm just telling you. You are the backbone of this church. You come on Wednesday nights. You work in the ministries. You are faithful. Thank God for you. Yes. You just got to be a little bit tougher. You got to have a hide like an alligator. And a heart like a lamb yeah. as a believer. Right. Okay? And this is David was praying about the enemies. And so Paul asked the church to pray for him that God would deliver him from his adversaries. Every preacher, every pastor, every minister has adversaries that you never see, that you never have to deal with, that he never talks about. Right. But he's got to deal with them. And also for the acceptance of his ministry. And for his attitude that it might maintain stay well. Now, let's look at one more verse and we'll go to the house, okay? Look in Romans 16, please. Romans chapter 16. 
You say, what's that got to do with the Psalms? Well, I'm trying to bring the Psalm back up over here to 2023 so that it applies to us. David had confidence that God was pure and holy and right and that God would eventually deal with the ungodly. And the Bible says here in Romans 16, look with me, it says here in verse number 17 and verse 18. He said, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and defenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. So they're not arguing about opinions about something. We're talking about doctrine. We're talking about stuff that matters. You and I might disagree on what you do at Christmas. There's no reason for us to fall out as brethren. Okay? But if it came to the deity of Christ, of whether we may argue... Well, he wasn't born on December the 25th. Oh, well, yes, he was. That's what he says on the calendar. That's what he said on the Internet. The Internet don't lie. So we're arguing. Okay? Are we supposed to bring you out in the church and draw lines and divide the church up because maybe you have a Christmas tree and I don't? Hmm? No. But now, if, if, we decided to debate whether or not Christ was born at all. Well, that's different. Yeah. Amen. I don't care what day he was born. Yeah. You celebrate it on June, the, July the third. I don't care. Right. Just as long as you believe he was born, that he was God manifest in the flesh, then we can fellowship. Right. Okay. So he's talking about doctrine, not doubtful disputations. Right. If you want to take your Christmas lights and hang on your front porch all year long, that's your business. Yeah. Amen? I hope some of y'all... But y'all may do that. I mean, I'm not making fun of you. I'm just telling you, some people... You going to start tonight? <laughs> I don't... I don't... I do not worry about that stuff. I don't. Now, there was a time when my kids were babies that I didn't know any better about some of that stuff. I thought it was a big deal. thought it was important. But I've learned since then. And, and I'm saying, but look what he says in Romans, in Romans 16. He says, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. Is it right for me to avoid certain people as a believer? Or am I supposed to include everybody in my life? And that's what these non-denominational churches do. Come as you are. Doesn't matter what you, how you dress, or what you believe, or what you're smoking. The Bible says in verse eighteen, He says, "For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple." Who are the simple? The simple what? Believe every word. I said that was the last verse. I'm very, very sorry. I need to show you one more. Second Thessalonians, real quick, chapter 3. Nowadays, with all of the lily-livered and sissified pulpits around the country, there, are, there, there is nobody being dealt with about and being held accountable for their lifestyles and their choices and their decisions. And that's a shame. Because you are letting a little leaven into the lump, and it's going to destroy the whole lump. Look in Second Thessalonians chapter number three. 
There's a difference between what we're talking about here and you trying to stir up trouble and lordship over people's lives. There's a whole heap of difference here. Okay? Second Thessalonians chapter number 3. Look at verse 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Verse 8, what is he talking about here? What were they doing? What's disorderly conduct? Well, he gives us an idea here. He said in verse 8, Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. In other words, a man should try to earn his own keep, bear his own burden. I think you should bear your own burden before you expect somebody else to help you bear it. Verse 9, Not because we have not power to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us, but let, um, let me, for sake of time, let me, let me go on down here. Look at verse 10. For even when we were with you this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Brother David, if a man's not willing to work, if he's not willing to work, would you expect me as a pastor to take up a love offering from the church and give it to him if he's not willing to work? It'd be wrong, wouldn't it? Would it not be wrong to take your tithes and offerings and give it to a man or a woman that's too lazy to work? You're actually hurting those people. You're not helping them. You're hurting them. You're not loving them. You're loving yourself because it makes you feel better. That's what it's doing. Love can be tough. And he says here in verse 11, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busy bodies. That's one thing about work. It'll keep you, out, it'll keep you busy out of other people's business. Yeah, you ought to work so much and so busy that you had not got time to get caught up in the latest gossip. That's right. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, y'all have enjoyed that so much, we'll stop right there. Okay? But David had confidence in prayer in the purity of God, in the power of God, and God dealing with the ungodly. Okay? Now, is, let me ask you a question. According to Psalm 5, is God going to hear your voice in the morning? I hope He does. And when He does, would you mention my name? Would you pray for me? I'm not joking. Would you mention my name? Would you pray for me? Would you say, brother? would you please give Brother Roger wisdom and understanding heart? And and, and and help him to know how to lead and to counsel and to guide? Would you help him? Would you do that? Okay. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for these dear faithful saints. And, oh, God, I do pray that we might, Lord, be strong believers in these last days. I do pray for the peace of Jerusalem, wisdom for our leaders in Congress, that they would have the courage to stand. I pray for our people this week as we are busy. God, busy about your business. But Lord, may we always start the day with you. And we love you and we need you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
All right, you're dismissed. God bless you. Thank you for being faithful tonight.